Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Pure Hope with your host, Reverend Janice Hope Gorman. Hope is the name the angels gave Reverend Gorman. Help open planetary eyes. And that's what we hope to do on Pure Hope. Thank you for joining us. Namaste. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Hope Interface Center's podcast, The Peer Hope Show. I'm Reverend Amy Oberly. Reverend Janice Hope Gorman cannot be here today, and I am honored to be interviewing the one and only Mark Anthony. We are so grateful and so honored to have him here on the show. I'm going to read you a little bit about Mark before he comes on in. So our amazing Mark Anthony is a psychic explorer, also known as a psychic lawyer. He is a fourth-generation psychic medium who communicates with spirits. He is an Oxford-educated attorney, licensed to practice in Florida, Washington, D.C., and before the United States Supreme Court. This psychic explorer travels to mystical locations in remote corners of the world to examine ancient mysteries and supernatural phenomena. Mark appears nationwide on TV and radio, including CBS TV's The Doctors and Gaia TV's Beyond Belief with George Nouri. He is a co-host of The Psychic and the Doc on the Transformation Network. He is also a featured speaker at conferences, expos, and many universities, which include Brown, Columbia, Harvard, and Yale. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Mark is a columnist for Best Holistic Life magazine. He is the author of the new incredible book, The Afterlife Frequency. That was published by New World Library. His other best-selling books are Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. We are so excited to have Mark here with us. Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thank you, Amy. It's an honor to be here. Um, I, I've just uh, been really looking forward to this interview. Oh, thank you. We love it when you are a guest on our show. We just feel so honored to have your presence here, but also the information that you bring us and our listeners, our community is invaluable. We learn so much every time we're together. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. So we want to hear all about your new book, The Afterlife Frequency. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, the afterlife frequency is its different from, from other books about um, spirit communication or near-death experiences um, or, or after, you know, dealing with the afterlife. And the reason that I say that, Amy, is because most, most of the time, the different forms of communication with spirits is, is put into separate categories. Like mediumship is over here, a deathbed vision is over there. Near-death experiences are treated differently. Deathbed visions are treated in a different way. Um, visitations are treated differently. And through years of research and, and working as a medium, I saw that there's actually a common denominator between all of them, which is frequency um, alignment and energy transfer. And so that all these phenomena aren't really all that different. I mean, there, there are some differences, but they all operate on the same way. And what it comes down to, Amy, is, you know, some people say, well, you know, you talk about, about this energy and all that, and, and isn't that against God? And, and it's like, absolutely not. God has a delivery system, and it's energy. And that's what I'm explaining here. Oh, my gosh. I love that, Mark. Oh, my gosh. I have to tell you, and our viewers, listeners, excuse me, I have been listening to your book, and I was telling Mark, I can't turn it off. I can't put it down. I've already think, I think I've sent it to like 10 friends over the weekend. (laughs) Um, And I love that you do talk about that deathbed visitation. I love the part in the book about your mom 
when she was getting ready to transition. And it, you say the term terminal lucidity, and I just thought, oh my gosh, right, you well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That that wasn't that wasn't my mom. <laughs> okay. That, oh, that, oh, I'm sorry. So that that was yeah. What what happened in that chapter? And and um, um, see, a lot of people call me to be at the bedsides of people who oh. are are transitioning. And and that's um, because what happens is, and with a deathbed vision, um, mm-hmm. what a deathbed vision is, is that somebody who is terminally ill is oftentimes they will start interacting with spirits of their deceased loved ones. And what we've noticed, when I say we, I mean near-death and shared-death experience researchers, mm-hmm. what we've seen, Amy, is that people in close proximity to them, which could be family, close friends, healthcare workers, hospice workers, will start reporting, oh, my God, who was that? What was that? They start seeing these as well. And when people uh, begin to transition, what's happening is there's a frequency overlap between the dimension, our dimension and the dimension they're transitioning to, and people in close proximity start detecting that because we're all capable of picking up on what I've termed the afterlife frequency. So um, th- that's not how my mother died, so that, that's not about her, okay? And um, I do discuss terminal lucidity in the book, and um, terminal lucidity is, is a very fascinating phenomenon. It's actually mm-hmm. been, been observed for thousands of years. I think the ancient Greeks may have been the first to document it, that people who had been comatose, non-responsive, and, and it was pretty clear that they were going to die, and right before they die, they, they wake up and they're completely lucid and they recognize people, um, and they will have a coherent discussion and then they die. And we're seeing this recently, or more recently, with Alzheimer's patients, with people with severe brain damage, with people who are comatose, with people who have brain cancer. And there's so many different types of brain impairments that there's no one common denominator. And that's what's mystifying neuroscientists, is how is it that people who are so brain damaged that in the last few minutes of their life, they are able to um, recognize people, communicate, um, and, and interact with people, basically, to, in, a, in a sense, to say goodbye. And so this is a really, really fascinating phenomenon, and I go into it in great depth in the afterlife frequency. So it's all tied into to my theories about frequency transfer and um, energy alignment. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you for clarifying that story as well. I really appreciate that. So just as you said, so many, you know, many people have been experiencing this for how many years? And I know personally we experience this with our mom. And I would definitely say if you um, the people listening, if you have ever had anyone pass away, this is such a great book to learn so much about that afterlife frequency. And Mark, you touched just real quick on near-death experiences, and I know that afterlife frequency has been already endorsed by some of the world's top survival of consciousness and near-death experience researchers. So have you had a near-death experience? I did. I guess you didn't get to that chapter oh. yet. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, um, I, I, I did, and um, near-death experiences have also been documented for thousands of years, and they baffled. They baffled religious leaders. They baffled uh, physicians because people were essentially um, they died, and then all of a sudden they came back to life. So there's been all these accounts of resurrections where people are coming back to life and they begin to talk about their journey where they went through a tunnel into this light and they encounter the spirits of deceased loved ones and they encounter a divine, all-knowing 
energy, which, you know, dare I say, we call God. Um, And what's really fascinating about this, Amy, is that in many cases, the people that have these, and they start describing them afterwards, they're completely different than the belief system, than the religion that the near-death experiencer uh, was raised in. And one of the first accounts of this could have been in um, by the Greek philosopher and writer Plato. And Plato wrote in his book, The Republic, about this soldier. His name was Ur, E-R. And Ur died in battle, and they were about to burn his body, because that's what, what the Greeks did. And all of a sudden, Ur comes back to life. All right, so they're like, oh, my gosh. And he starts <laughs> talking about this transcendent realm. He talks about the light. He talked about encountering deceased loved ones. And he also talked about a succession of lifetimes, in other words, reincarnation. Now, that wasn't part of the ancient Greek religion. You know, He didn't encounter Zeus or Hades or, or Aphrodite or Apollo. He encountered a universal intelligence in addition to the spirits of his deceased loved ones. Now, why would, why would somebody in ancient Greece talk about that? Okay, if they were merely having an, um, what's known as expectancy, okay, that people who die and come back to life, they expect there to be an afterlife, and it's going to be based on, on what they expect it to be. An ancient Greek would come back saying, well, I, I encountered the god of the afterlife, uh, Hades, and his wife Persephone, and I saw the goddess of love and beauty. Well, he didn't see, see any of that. What he saw was much deeper. And he started talking about reincarnation which the Greeks did not believe in. So, oh, wow. so that was just one example. And, and so what I do is I explain that, and I also explain it on the basis of, of, of energy. <clears throat> and, mm-hmm. and if I could, I know I keep saying energy, and people in, in our field, Amy, we fling around, you know, fling around the world yeah. the word <laughs> energy a lot. But um, I developed the term the electromagnetic soul to define what we really are, which is pure consciousness that is eternal electromagnetic energy. And all the great spiritual teachers from the Hindu sages of India 5,000 years ago, even the ancient Egyptians, um, Buddha, uh, Confucius, uh, Moses, Jesus, Muhammad, all the way up until until the present day, this includes uh, Native American belief systems, believe that the soul the consciousness, the who and what we are, the spirit pre-exists the body, comes into the body, and then moves on after the body dies. All right, that's, that's par for the course in, in spirituality. And we know from the laws of physics that energy is neither created nor destroyed, only transferred from one form to another. In modern neuroscience, that's the study of the human brain, we know that the brain has an electrical field. And, and uh, uh, you know, the whole body has an electrical field. And uh, the strongest electrical field in the body is in the heart, which makes sense because it's a pump and it's running all day long and it's, you know, it's a pretty strong <laughs> muscle. But then the most complex uh, electrical um, reactions and system is in the cerebral cortex and the brain. And so I developed the term the electromagnetic soul because when the body dies, the EMS, the electromagnetic soul, doesn't die with the body, it's energy. And according to the laws of physics, it's neither created nor destroyed, only transferred. According to all the great belief systems, it, did not, it was not created by the body. It what preexisted the body, comes into the body, and moves on afterwards. And so that's why many people of faith and many scientists have already, they're already using the, the term electromagnetic soul and calling it the EMS because that describes what we are. And, and, you know, and I have to, because some people say, well, I don't like the term electromagnetic soul. You're downplaying <laughs> the spirit. It's like, well, no, I'm not. I'm explaining what it is, what that yes. energy is. Okay, I mean, you know, the fact that we have a soul and a spirit isn't some Harry Potter magic thing that, okay, it just sort of exists and there's no explanation. There's an explanation for everything, and we're finally getting to the point where we're developing technology that is able to tune into and detect these these higher harmonics, these higher frequencies. 
Yeah, absolutely. Mark, I think that's truly one of your gifts for the people on earth is that you understand such a wide variety of the spiritual realm and the physical realm. So you're able to explain these things that have been previously unexplainable. You can put a definition to it that everybody can learn from, can attach to, and relate to. And that is such a gift that you bring to the world. Um, and Mark, so with that electromagnetic soul, we know humans have it, but do you think animals have it as well? Absolutely, because they're alive. Anything that's alive has energy, but it even goes further than that, is we all learned in science in grade school that everything's made of molecules. And then molecules are made of atoms. And atoms are composed of electrons, protons, and neutrons. Well, thanks to the development of quantum physics. And a lot of times when people hear quantum physics, they're like, oh, no. And that's why I tell people, <laughs> spoiler alert, when you're reading my book, don't worry. Okay, because I, I explain it in a way that, that anybody can understand it. Because I suffered through enough boring books in law school and the practice of law. I'm not going to inflict that on anybody. Okay, so, so what people need to understand is that um, atoms are composed of electrons, protons, and neutrons, which in turn are made of a smaller particle, which is a quantum. And that's where the term quantum physics comes from. And a quantum is pure electromagnetic energy. So, Amy, the reason that that's so important is that everything in our material world dimension, our universe, on the subatomic level is electromagnetic energy. And quantum physicists have discovered that everything vibrates at a different frequency. So the chair that you're sitting in is on the quantum level electromagnetic energy but then again so are you and so is the microphones that we're speaking into so is the electricity that's carrying these signals so are the radio waves that are transmitting these everything mm -hmm. is electromagnetic energy and this ties into my my term the electromagnetic soul to explain how when the body dies, the EMS doesn't die with the body. It merely, it's, it's like a drop of water. It leaves the body and plunges into this eternal sea of consciousness, uh, the afterlife frequency. So animals being alive, they too have EMSs. They too have electromagnetic souls. And, and in the thousands of readings that I've conducted, I've encountered the spirits of many animals. Um, you know, mm -hmm. usually pets, dogs, cats, horses, bunnies, gerbils, hamsters, uh, a lot of horses I've, I've communicated with. I even communicated with a bear one time, which was rather interesting. <laughs> um, you know, but, but I've also observed that it appears that anything capable of the emotion of love is capable of spirit communication. So I've yet to communicate with an alligator or, you know, a snake, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually okay with that. <laughs> not, not. not. Um, but um, it, it's really quite fascinating because animal communication, it's similar to communicating with a human. Animals tend to be very direct and to the point. Okay. Um, and, you know, think about it. An animal either likes you or doesn't. You know, That's so true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Human relationships, we have all these nuances and, and uh, you know, this passive aggressive, well, do you like me, do you not? You know, but, you know, animals don't flirt. They either like you or they don't. So true. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Well, I know we have a lot of animal lovers listening, so I think that's so going to connect with so many of them. Um, so, can I love your background so, so much. Um, I know it is kind of in a few different worlds. So, you write about in your amazing book, Growing Up Psychic. When did you first realize you had that ability? And then can we go a little further and ask, how did you get into practicing law from that? Well, both my mother and father had these abilities, and I've tracked it on both sides of the family. It appears to be what's known as a recessive genetic trait. In other words, it skips a mm -hmm. generation or two. 
Okay. Oh. But, yeah, and I've tracked it back into the 1890s on both sides of the family. And so my mother's side of the family, they, they had come to the, the United States from Italy um, in the 1890s, early 1900s. And my mother's maternal grandmother, Giovanna, she she was known in the Italian community of Little Italy in New York City and North New Jersey as the woman who knows things. And, uh, in fact, uh, when PBS did a special called The Italian Americans back, I think it was in 2016, it was a four-hour special, they actually did an entire segment on Giovanna, and they they talked about her psychic abilities. And, you know, members of the Catholic Church, you know, priests, nuns, even uh, bishops and cardinals would come to, to talk to her and get her perspective on things. And she was very, very psychic. I've written about Giovanna um, in, in my first two books, Never Letting Go and Evidence of Eternity. And um, then, you know, my mother had these abilities, and she was particularly close to, to Giovanna. So my dad was a Navy SEAL, and uh, he'd just gotten out of the Navy, and he's at a dance, and, and he said he spotted this foxy-looking dame. I love the way he was telling you. Know, I remember when they were taught, my parents were telling me how they met. And because my mother was an artist and she was um, in fashion designs and she worked at a high-end department store in uh, in New Jersey. Uh, and it, mom, mom joked and she said, well, that's because I got all the designer clothes at the employee discount. <laughs> so, so she could dress to the nines. And so anyway, they, they met and, and he, they said after a few dates, they knew that there was something definitely here, and my dad said, you know, um, in my, uh, he said, your mother said, I got something to tell you, and she said, I, I see spirits, and my dad says, oh, my God, I do, too, <laughs> and my father uh, was one of um, of five children, and uh, he had a brother and three other sisters, and, and three sisters, and one of his sisters, Marjorie, was also a medium, as was his mother, um, his mother uh, Isabel, and his maternal grandmother Grace. They all had mediumistic abilities, um, but they were from a very conservative uh, Pennsylvania Baptist family, and it just wasn't discussed openly. You know, whereas the Italians, they looked at it as, this is a gift from God, you know. <laughs> you know, and people are all lined up to get Giovanna's blessing. You know, my dad, it was uh, much more low-key, um, he said, but uh, it was uh, very prevalent. And um, and I would like to share one story. So, oh, so here I am, I'm three and a half years old, and I start talking to my invisible friends. Well, you know, <laughs> lots, of, lots of toddlers do things like that, except when mommy and daddy can see who I'm talking to. And I remember mom going, oh, he's got it. And dad's reaction was, oh, he's got it. (laughs) And as I got older and I was getting ready to start school, I remember my father said, Mark, do not talk to to anybody about this. People who see things others don't get taken away. What scared me, Amy? And he wasn't trying to be mean to me. He was trying to protect me. And he said, talk about this to your mother and I. Other people won't understand. Well, I figured it out pretty quick, even though I went to Catholic school, and you think, well, you know, we're all about all these spirits, angels and saints and all that stuff. Yeah, well, being a medium wasn't exactly, a, <laughs> a, you know, something we talked about in, in a religion class. But what had happened is about 20 years before I was born, his sister Marjorie had married this very uh, religious fundamentalist, and he didn't like what she did. And one day he was getting ready to go to work. He was a machinist, and he worked at this steel plant in Pennsylvania. So he's getting ready to go to work one morning. She begs him not to go. She said, something terrible is going to happen. I know it. I feel it. I know it. I feel it. He goes, fine. They got into an argument, but he decided to stay home. Well, Amy, that day... A crane was lifting thousands of pounds of steel beams, and the cable snapped, and it crushed the machine shop that he worked in, and it killed everybody there. Well, he wasn't there, all right, because of her. Now, you think he would have been grateful. Instead, it made him fear her even more, and he got a psychiatrist to, um, to diagnose her as a schizophrenic, 
and she was forcibly removed from her home and subjected against her will to electroshock therapy for over six months. And it damaged her brain so much that she never again talked about seeing spirits. And so my father... When he saw these abilities emerging in me, he wasn't trying to scare me. He wanted to protect mm-hmm. me, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, he, he said, people don't understand, Mark. And so when I got older, you know, I started making the inquiries, and finally my parents told me the whole story, and it was confirmed by a couple other relatives as well. So mm-hmm. so here I am, the, this kid with, you know, these abilities that I had to keep to myself, but I could talk about them at home. So mm-hmm. my childhood, and, and people in the neighborhood kind of knew there was something different <laughs> about our family. Uh, I always like to joke that, you know, we were less Brady Bunch, more Adams family. <laughs> you know, kinda, um, um, oh, you know, not quite that, that uh, mysterious and spooky, you know, not, not, not quite that. But um, it certainly, um, people knew that, that there was something different about us. And Mm -hmm. as I got older, I started really wanting to go into the clergy, which, you know, Mm -hmm. which you understand, okay? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you you understand. That's what what mediums uh, tend to be drawn to um, Mm -hmm. because it's spiritual. But I felt that the the particular religion that I had been uh, raised in was too constricting. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go to law school instead. And it's funny mm. talk about, you know, one restrictive <laughs> profession to a, a, an even more restrictive profession. So there you yes. have it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, Mike. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. And, um, and for I the benefit have... of the listeners, none of that <laughs> is in the afterlife frequency. Okay. Oh, my gosh. The, yeah. Well, hold on. That, 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 you know, um, those stories are in my other books because the thing mm-hmm. is there's a whole new line of stories to illustrate the concepts that I'm introducing because mm-hmm. the way I look at it is, yes, I'm going to talk about quantum physics, but you're not going to be sifting and wading through calculations. I'm going to explain yes. the concept and then illustrate it with a story that anybody can relate to and mm-hmm. because... Once again, who wants to sit there and read a dry technical treatise? You want to learn the concept, see how it applies, and how it relates to you. And so that's what I do with the afterlife frequency, and and it helps people who are coping with loss. It helps people who are are struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder, survivor's guilt. It it talks a lot about uh, people parents who, who've uh, suffered the worst loss of all, losing a child. Oh. And, and so um, a lot of people have said that this is the ideal gift to give to someone that you may know who is facing the holidays in the wake of the loss of a loved one. Yes, yes, I 100% agree with that. I know we've had a lot of loss in the last few years, and um, I ordered the book on Audible so I could hear your voice reading it, which I love, but it has brought me so much peace and also a lot of hope. Like it brings this positivity to it, and you just, oh, it's going to make me cry, but like you just understand where they go. And it's so great because no matter what your background, what your belief system, you really speak to everybody and saying like our electromagnetic souls live on and on and on. It's that energy that just keeps going. And your stories truly are such a great way of learning. I have to tell you, when you talked about your story in Thailand, even though I was listening to the book, I still had to cover my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oprah fight. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. yeah. Well, my book starts off um, with an adventure that I had in in Thailand uh, with my best friend, Billy. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because, once again, this story is not in the book. And, and this one's not in the book on purpose because I knew I would be talking about the book. And people would ask me, you know, why did you write it? Well, there's many reasons why I wrote it, you know, to give a logical scientific explanation. And the book doesn't contradict religions. It explains, mm-hmm. you know, it yeah. explains the, the, the basis for, for the soul. 
and for for ascending to to another you know another dimension and I grew up with uh with this guy named Billy and we we were we were eleven years old when we met best friends went to junior high high school college together and he too was raised in the Catholic faith, but by the time we were in high school, he was an avowed atheist. And so throughout high school and college and beyond, we had this ongoing debate about the existence of God. And he'd always say, I don't understand how you do the psychic thing. He said, and you talked about all this, he said, but there's no science, there's no technology that can detect spirits or prove any of this. And, you know, obviously I argued the other side. And so after <laughs> yeah, after college, I I went to law school, and he went to Asia. And he was teaching uh, executives in, in Japan uh, conversational English. And he learned, uh, he had a real gift for languages, learned Thai, Indonesian, uh, Cantonese. So I, I went to visit him in Asia. I took over a month off. And we had some great times in Japan and then in Southeast Asia, which can be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we were such good friends that I even performed his wedding ceremony. He met this Aww. amazing woman in Japan, and uh, they got married in Florida. And then I was a notary public. You know, I was, I was an attorney, but I was also a notary public. And, you know, Amy, it was one of the – when I look back on that, this – this is, has to be one of the best days in my life because mm-hmm. there I was, I was standing on this, you know, this platform, and there's my best friend and, and my new best friend, his, his wife-to-be, staying in front of me. And I'm looking at the crowd, and there's my parents sitting there, his parents, all of our friends from college. It's like everybody that mattered to me was mm-hmm. there, and they were happy. And... Mm-hmm. Then a couple years after that, he had some issues with depression, and he succumbed to suicide. Oh, and, no, you know, when I heard that, you know, it's losing a brother, basically. I mean, basically, he, he was losing, losing a brother. And obviously I was devastated. And about a year after that, I was a speaker at a paranormal conference at the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful place, and, and mm-hmm. you know, there's, it was a pretty big deal, and there was a bunch of uh, the investigators from, from TV and all that. And I had just given my presentation, so I'm down in the uh, conference or the convention room, and I'm at my table, and I'm autographing my book. My, my first book had just come out. And my manager, Rocky, was with me, and she was walking around looking at um, um, the paranormal investigation equipment. Now, keep in mind, there's... EMF, electromagnetic field scanners, infrared, ultraviolet, EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, spirit box scanners. What do all those do? They scan different electromagnetic frequency bands. So she's walking by this table, and there's a guy named Chris. He's he's at the table, and he is displaying the spirit box scanner. And Rocky's walking by this, and she hears, get Mark out of this thing and she stops and looks at it and chris looks at her and goes did that that just talk to you and it said get mark he goes do you think it do you think it means you're mark mark anthony so all of a sudden i hear mark mark and i look up and they're waving to me and there's all these people standing around their table so i go oh my god what's going on so i run over there and as soon as i get close to it i hear dude and and i stop and and I look at Rocky, she was, Mark, I know that voice. And it said, oh. love you, bro. It was oh. Billy's voice. And Rocky knew Billy, and she goes, my God, that was Billy. And I'm sitting there, and the tears are coming out of my eyes, and then it's just filled with static. And the investigator's like, this is really, he goes, this is very unusual, very rare. He goes, it called for Mark by name. He said, and then both of you positively identified who it was from the voice. And, you know, and at first I'm thinking, okay, well, this is great. This is fantastic. This is Billy. He's making contact with me, and I'm all excited and and all that. And then I began to think about it over time. And this is an example of what I call spiritual synchronicity. And I think that's actually the name of the first Mm -hmm. chapter in the book. 
how, mm-hmm. you know, there's no coincidences. Things are all, you know, a result of a complex chain of events, and many times spirits are, are part of that. And then it dawned on me, Amy, okay, he called me dude and bro. Well, we grew up in the surfing culture of East Coast Central Florida, and that's what we called each other. In fact, the last thing he ever said to me in this world, I remember he hugged me and goes, love you, bro. And then that's what oh. came out of that machine. And then oh. I recalled, he always said, there's no technology to communicate with spirits or detect them, and there's no <laughs> science that can prove this. So what did his electromagnetic soul, what did his and his spirit choose as the means to communicate with me was science and technology mm-hmm. and then that got my wheels turning and that spiritual synchronicity led to the other spiritual synchronicity which guided me or, or led me in the direction to write the afterlife frequency Wow. Oh, my gosh. That is an amazing, amazing experience, Mark. Oh, my gosh. I'm so grateful you shared that. Wow. Oh, Again, your storytelling, like, through that, we understood exactly what spiritual synchronicity was. And, oh, it's just so good. I just want to hold on to that story forever. <laughs> yeah, you know, oh. it, 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 it's... You know, when it happened, I was totally blown away, and then um, I thought, well, that was so great. But then it's it's another thing I refer to as the unfolding. It can take Mm -hmm. hours, days, weeks, even longer for the full meaning of a message from a spirit to make sense. You know, it unfolds, and Mm -hmm. that's what was happening there. You know, because a lot of people, they go into a reading with a medium like me. And and by the way, for for your listeners, yes, I do readings. You can go to my website, afterlifefrequency.com, and you can sign up for a reading. Please please subscribe to my newsletter um, because it will keep you up to date on on shows like this one that I'm going to be on and and what I'm doing, and also about my my weekly show, The Psychic and the Doc, as well. Mm -hmm. But the thing is... Um, we have to keep in mind that nothing is random, okay? Mm-hmm. Everything happens for a reason, and that there's a very complex chain of events. And sometimes, you know, spirits are not here to guide us or control us. What they're here to do is, is, is to help us. You know, we have free will. It would be very easy for me never to have embraced my gifts um, been very easy to have said, oh, well, that was just, a, you know, um, uh, an event. But when you start allowing the experience to unfold, it can take time before you understand it. Just yesterday, I received um, a really nice email from this gentleman who's a writer. And he said that, um, I guess it was probably about a year or so ago, I did a reading for his wife, and then a couple weeks later, he, you know, he had a reading with me. And in both readings, I kept saying there's a problem. You know, the, their spirits were telling me that there was a problem with the electri- electrical outlets, electricity in their house, and it's where the electricity, the power lines connect with the house. And so he wrote in this article that he he, he um, that he uh, produced. He said, you know, both my wife and I just blew it off as, oh, well, that was probably a miss because there was nothing with it. He said, then a few months later, we noticed all the lights in our house kept blinking on and off, and we're having some problems. And the power company verified that it wasn't on their end, it must be with theirs. So they brought in an electrician, and he said, it's right where the power lines connect with the house. He said, exactly as, as Mark said. And he said, and there's an electrical arc in here, and you've got to get this taken care of because it's, it, it will cause a fire. So wow. what had happened was the, the spirits of their loved ones were warning them about this. Because I remember, um, I remember when, when he wrote this, I go, oh, yeah, I remember that reading. They said that there's a problem. You've got to get the wiring checked. You've got to get on top of this. And, and, but it took months before they recognized it, and it was exactly as the spirits uh, transmitted it. Now, people need to understand that during a reading, 
things that, that come through are not always immediately apparent. Some people want, you know, we mm-hmm. live in this texting, instant messaging, immediate gratification <laughs> society where everybody wants everything right now and it better make sense right now. Well, that's spirits are not on our timetable, but they are able to see future events. Why? Because on the quantum electromagnetic level, quantum physicists have theorized, and this is going back to Albert Einstein, Max Planck, uh, up to uh, uh, Max Tegmark at MIT, uh, Stephen Hawking said this, on the quantum level, time doesn't exist. It's all energy. Everything's happening simultaneously. Now, that's extremely difficult for us to wrap our heads around. I get that. But that's why in readings, future events will come up, because we think time is a linear thing. We're born, we grow old, we die, therefore it moves in one direction, when it really doesn't. And so the spirits of their loved ones and their electromagnetic energy are picking up on an electromagnetic anomaly in the home of their loved ones mm-hmm. that could start a fire, so they are intervening to present a warning. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good to know. That's so good to know because so many times we think, well, we had a reading, it's going to happen right now. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's something all that instant. has already happened. Yes. Or, or they go into a, or people go into a reading with a list of, I want to know this. Okay, remember, mm-hmm. the other side is not Santa Claus. Okay, <laughs> you know, you don't go with, all right, this is my list and I need to know this, you know. Um, and it's funny because, because, um, when you go into a reading, it's okay to, to have, like, some things that you want to know. But don't mm-hmm. go into it with, until I hear this, I won't believe. I remember I had some one lady, well, I really need to know that this is my son. I go, okay, other than the fact that he gave us his name, how he died, where he died, what you were doing yesterday, <gasps> I gave, like, 50 examples. Yes, but I needed oh. to know this one thing. Oh, and because she was flooding the energetic field with this, I want, I want, I want, this is part of what I call the no, no, no syndrome. <laughs> and, the no, and I don't know if you've gotten to that chapter in the book yet, but the no, no, no syndrome is, it's like when, you're doing, when I'm doing a reading for somebody or, you know, any medium, you say, I'm getting this. Okay, does that make sense? No, no, no. People start shooting <laughs> everything down, and that creates mm-hmm. a negative energy barrier. It's like slamming the door in the spirit's face. We want to mm-hmm. keep that door open. If you don't get it right away, it's better to say, I'm not sure, let me think about it, or I don't know just yet, because it takes time. Like the people with the electricity. Okay, when the light started blinking, they said, well, wait a second, that, that uh, medium said something about this, and uh, you know, during the reading, said, get an electrician to check it. And they did, and they found out that this was a potential to cause a fire. Also, mm-hmm. you may not understand what it means, either last week i did a reading for this gentleman and his father came through and he said well i never knew my father he says i mean i know who he was but he died when i was a baby and i and this was a telephone reading okay telephone readings are just as accurate as in person once again it's Mm -hmm. electromagnetic energy they move at the speed of light and the father spirit kept giving me two snakes two snakes so I'm saying this. He goes, well, I'm not sure what that means. I said, well, I mean, unless you got a snake story, like maybe you know there were some snakes in the house or something. Okay. I said, but it could be that medical symbol, you know, the staff with the two snakes. He said, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think it's probably Native American. I go, why do you say that? He said, because my dad was Native American, so, so I am too. He said, but I don't know what it means. I said, okay, that's fine. Just make a note of it. The next day, he and his wife sent me this really nice email and they even um, took a picture out of this book. They took a picture. His father was of the Sioux, S-I-O-U-X, the Sioux Nation, which means two snakes. Now, oh I didn't know gosh. that. He didn't know that. So for all the skeptics out there that are listening who say, you're just cold reading or you're reading their mind. Now, how can I read something in someone's mind, number one, over the telephone, and number two, that isn't in the person's mind, okay? Mm-hmm. He said, I'm Native American, and I, he goes, first of all, he goes, I, yeah, I'm Sioux, but I didn't, I don't speak the Sioux language, but we looked this up, he goes, my wife and I were floored, he goes, wow. and they, they showed me the book, and, you know, and it was really cool. Um, so the thing is, 
a lot of times when messages come through, I don't know what it means. I'm just the conduit. You know, sometimes, you know, most of the time we'll, we, we know what it means. But many times details like that will come through which are not immediately apparent, and it takes time to either find out about it or for, you know, it to occur. So, mm-hmm. so that's why when approaching a reading, and that's another aspect of the afterlife frequency, is it teaches you how to approach a reading with a medium. Mm-hmm. And in a lot, you know, in my book, isn't about turning people into mediums. There's a lot of books out there like, I'll turn you into a medium, I'll turn you into a medium. We're not all mediums. Some people are just better at it than others. And I was trying to explain, though, how can anybody, how can anybody um, get a benefit out of spirit contact, even if they're not a medium? So, yes, yeah. So, Amy, I'm sitting there and I'm working on the book and I hit writer's block. Oh. Reddit writer, oh yeah, and I couldn't come up with a thing, so I thought, all right, I'm going to go for a walk on the beach because I live near the ocean. So I'm headed in that direction. I get cold chills and tingles, and I realize I need to do an about face. Okay, I go okay, cold chills and tingles. That's electromagnetic energy. That's a spirit. And I head in the opposite direction. I start walking on this bike path. So I'm walking down the bike path, and and uh, all of a sudden I see it's about 11 o'clock in the morning. Nobody's on the path except me, and I see these two objects shining in the sun. So I walk up to them, and it's a nickel and a penny, and I go, oh. So I go to bend over to pick them up, and I hear my mom's voice. You know, both oh. my parents are, have passed, and I hear my mom say, it's bad luck if their head's down. And I'm <laughs> laughing because my mom's family was Italian, okay, and, and I love my Italian heritage, but, you know, we have a superstition for everything. You know, don't cross your forks, don't walk under a ladder, go, dear God, don't break a mirror, and don't pick up a coin. And then I hear my dad's voice, it's money, grab it. So I'm laughing, and so I'm holding the, these two coins, I go, oh, six cents. I go, wait a second, six cents. And I go, they're trying to tell me something. And Amy, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm just covered in cold chills and tingles. And that's not scary. Yeah, that's where people, oh, spirit communication is scary. It's because they're electromagnetic souls. Their, their spirits' electromagnetic fields were interfacing with my bodies, and you get cold chills oh. and tingles, which is the same physiological response as flight or fight. Mm-hmm. And so, but, so I know it's not scary. And in my mind's eye, I saw an image of my father standing in the ocean holding a raft, this blue canvas raft that he used to have when I was a kid. And then it hit me raft teach it and i heard them teach people how to recognize signs from spirits accept the contact is real feel it without overthinking it and trust the message oh my god so i ran back and i i just started writing and the writer's block was gone the words flew out of me it was the raft technique and so so i teach people in this book how to recognize signs from spirits Accept it as real. Feel it without overthinking it. Now, this is where everybody hits a roadblock. Oh, it's just a coincidence. It's wishful thinking. I want it to be that. It's my imagination. This can't be. And that's where most people, it it just ends right there because they overthink it away. You get through that, you feel it, and then you trust the message. Now, how do you know it's a message from a spirit? Well, that's the trust factor. In this day and age, there's a lot of lunacy going around on social media and the Internet. People who claim they're shamans and receiving messages oh, to mm-hmm. do crazy things or, or people hijacking religious belief systems and blowing up a school or some, some horror like that. Those are never messages from spirits. Those are messages mm-hmm. from a person's ego, which is edging mm-hmm. God out. Okay, mm-hmm. or ego-driven personalities looking for a moral justification for their their narcissistic agenda. A true mm-hmm. message from the divine, a true message from spirits, is about love, healing, peace, resolution, or intervention. Okay, to to help you avoid a, uh, a potentially dangerous person, place, or thing. And so that's how you know that the message is from a spirit. A spirit never tells you or guides you to commit acts of anger, bigotry, hatred, Mm -hmm. or violence. 
so that's the difference. And when you start working with the raft technique and you, you get fluid with it, it becomes second nature. Will it turn you into a medium? Not necessarily. But then again, we're not all mediums, just like we're not all Olympic athletes. We're not all rock and roll lead guitarists. We're not all, you know, mathematicians. But we can all engage in those activities and receive benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Who do you think would benefit the most from the afterlife frequency? I know we covered a few things, but, like, who in your mind were you writing this book for when you were writing it? Um, I think anybody coping with grief, um, mm-hmm. with grief, survivor's guilt, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, victims of murder, homicide, uh, suicide, I mean, murder and, and homicide are the same thing, um, mm-hmm. suicide, but also anybody interested in, in the science of spirit communication, people interested in near-death experiences, shared death experiences, how to make sense. The raft technique doesn't just apply to a situation like I described. Let's say you have an NDE, a near-death experience, and you want to make Mm -hmm. sense out of it. The raft technique works for that. It also works for what if you're in close proximity to a loved one who dies and and that person starts to see, um, you know, loved ones in spirit. And and that helps you understand that too. So this Mm -hmm. has such a broad application in so many ways and that's why I was guided to write this book oh that is so incredible and I love that your parents helped you with that too (laughs) that is such a powerful story oh my gosh Mike you are just phenomenal 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 I don't know how else to explain (laughs) you oh I appreciate that but you know it's it's you know, I don't have all the answers. Nobody does, mm-hmm. but I have mm-hmm. insights. And these are the insights that I want to share with people because no no one human being or collective of human being knows everything. But there's been reasons why these things have happened to me, why I've been led to these situations to help people understand this. And, you know, I, I know we're, we're coming up toward the end of the show, but... Mm-hmm. It, it, it was about two weeks after my mom passed, which was now 15 years ago. It's, it's hard to believe. It's just so hard to believe it's been 15 years, you know, because, um, you know, yes, I connect with her presence and her her, her spirit, but um, mm-hmm. I miss having breakfast with my parents. That's something I used to do every Sunday. We'd have breakfast. That was fun, you know. We'd go to some diner and sit there and eat eggs and drink coffee and talk for, <laughs> for a long time. But um, about two weeks after she passed, I was... Uh, you know, I was the head of a law firm at the time, and I was heading back to my office from court, and this wave of grief hit me. You know, oh. you know, you're uh, even being a medium. You know, we're not, we're not, we are by no means immune to to grief, and right. I, it was hitting me really hard. So I pulled over into this parking lot, and I was sitting there. I go, okay, I need to get my composure, and all of a sudden, this flash goes off in my my head, and in the car. And I look at the passenger seat, and I see the silhouette of my mother in this silver-white light just for, like, a couple seconds. And her voice fills my head. And she said, you've been given the gift of mediumship so that you would not be crushed by grief, but now Mm -hmm. you must help those who are suffering with theirs. And it is your mission to help people understand that God exists, that heaven exists that our souls are immortal living spirits, that we can communicate with souls, and that we'll be reunited with our loved ones in the light when it is your appointed time to leave your world. And I collapsed back in my seat. I broke out into a sweat. And I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. You know, I mean, people talk about aha moments or an enlightenment event. This was kind of like a fire hose right in the face. And, but the thing is, from that point on, Amy, my entire life changed. Within wow. a year of that, I was out of the practice of law. Um, uh, my first book was underway, and the next thing I knew, I mean, with, within a year, I was was lecturing on this. I mean, it, it just, oh, wow. it, it was the time, that, that was the point in my life. 
and that was the direct communication. And, and look, we all have a purpose. Everybody's life matters. Everybody's life counts. A lot of people feel, oh, I don't matter, I don't count. Well, you do. You do. You matter to other people. In fact, you may save someone's life without even realizing it. Maybe you're sitting there at a park bench and somebody sits down next to you and they tell you their woes and their troubles and you give that person the time of day and listen. And maybe because you did that, that person didn't go home and take their own life. You know, so we don't know how we affect other people. We, what we have to try to do, and it's very hard, and, and, you know, I do my best to, is to treat people the way we want to be treated. It, it is easy to say and harder to do, okay? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the golden rule. You know, uh, Jesus was very, very clever for a lot of reasons when he said, you know, basically treat people the way you want to be treated. You know, I know they do unto others. I mean, that's James in English. Let's put it into what he said. Treat people the way mm-hmm. you want to be treated. Newsflash, Buddha said, don't do to people what you don't want them to do you. Same thing, but, you know, in the, uh, a different version. Guess what? The Muslims have that rule. So do the Hebrews. So do the Jains. So do the Native Americans. Every major spiritual leader has taught people, treat each other the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And that is why everybody matters and everybody's life counts. Oh, wow. That is so beautiful, so profound, yet so gentle and simple. Thank you. Oh, Mike, I think I could just talk to you all day. <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you, Amy. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you are just so great. We, It is such an honor. I still feel like this is a dream to have you on here to talk about this life-changing book. It truly is changing lives, and I can just imagine, like, all of the spirits and all of the loved ones of the people who will read this are already thanking you. They say, even if they have gotten it in their hands or not, the people who are meant to read this, their loved ones are already sending it to them. And you have been that brave and bold medium who has said, yes, I will deliver these messages. And we so, so honor you for that because I'm sure at times it has not been easy, even with your dad saying, don't share this, keep it to yourself, just tell your mom and I. And that takes so much bravery to share this with the world. And we thank you so deeply for that. Thank you, Amy. I, I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I guess as I got older, I I stopped. I, I disregarded that particular piece of my dad's advice. Yeah, but but uh, it, it was time to. It it was it it was time to. He was concerned, you know, when I was a little kid, and and also, you know, this is a topic which is now being openly discussed, mm-hmm. and and you know, in in uh, the days of my aunt Marjorie, this was looked at as a taboo topic, mental illness. Um, there's parts of the world, uh, particularly the Middle East, where um, people who are mediums and psychics are beheaded. Okay, so um, there's still a huge social stigma, and there shouldn't be. And that's the other reason mm-hmm. I write the afterlife frequency is to bridge the divide between faith and science. We should not fear Ooh. these things. The paranormal mm-hmm. and the supernatural are merely a normal part of human nature. And that's yeah. why we look at these these abilities they're they're you know it's the sixth sense and it's not some alien or some demonic or negative thing it's part mm-hmm. of understanding who we are and through that understanding we 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 can help each other oh definitely i feel like this is an oprah moment when she goes tweetable moment i think i just wrote all of that <laughs> Mike. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. May I ask you one last question before we go? Sure. Okay, thank you. If you have a spiritual message for the world, what will or what is your spiritual message for the world? Oh, definitely what what my mother conveyed, that God exists, oh. heaven exists, mm-hmm. our souls an immortal living spirit 
that we can communicate with souls and that we'll be reunited with our loved ones when it is our time to leave this material world. So oh, that 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 would be if I have a message in this life, that's what it is. Oh, thank you so so much, Mark. Thank you, thank you. Oh, we hope you are blessed with so much prosperity and great health as your journey on sharing this book with the world and sharing your beautiful messages. And again, we are so grateful for your time that you spent with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we are going to post all of this onto our website and our social media channels so you can book time with Mark and order this incredible book. It truly is life-changing. We are so thankful to everyone who took time to listen today. We thank you. We thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hope by Rev. Janice Hope Gorman. And until next time, remember that true greatness consists in being great in the little things. Be kind. Be gentle. Be loving. Be true.